Welcome to a new boost for your mission, no more boring learning. This is the Brain Bakery Podcast. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. My name is Ravi. Hey, Shana. Hello, everybody. Shana, so what are we going to be discussing in today's episode? So it's going to be about something super fundamental. We're going to go back in history. We're going to find out everything that we need if we want to learn something for ourselves or if we want to teach anybody anything. There's some things we need to know about how the memory works. And I feel quite passionate about this because as L&D professionals, we work so hard to creating, designing and delivering training and we want to have a really big impact. And actually, Mm. this is one of the components that sometimes we miss or we don't even know about. So, Jeanne, talk to us a little bit about the history of this. Let's go way back because what most of us in the modern world don't realize is that Years and years and years and years ago, we didn't even know that we had a memory. We didn't know we had a brain. We didn't know where it came from. It could have been in our feet, could have been in our elbow. We had no idea how the whole memory worked, right? (laughs) And we started to search for it and we started to understand a little bit more in the 17th century and the 18th century. And then we started to understand there is a brain and we could figure out where it was in our head and we couldn't research it yet we didn't have the right equipment for that we kept killing people we could only look into dead people so it was very hard to study the brain so the research type that we used at that time and I'm now going to oversimplify it is a black box type of study so that means that we don't know what's in the black box we can't see inside of it we don't know how something works but we can feed something into the black box and see what comes out, and that makes us predict certain things. So this first research I want to talk about is the first bit where we looked from the outside, didn't know what was in there, we pushed something in, and then something came out, and that made us predict something about the memory. Yes, so in the next episode, we will be looking inside of the brain and having a look at what Mm. happens, all of the neurons, all of the science-y stuff. But for this episode, we're going to be looking at the external factors. We'll be Mm. discussing what happens there. So tell us a little bit about probably the most famous psychologist on this subject. The most famous psychologist on this subject is Hermann Ebbinghaus. He's a German psychologist and he did some research on the memory in 1885. And what he found is still super valuable today. Don't let anybody tell you any different because what he found was revolutionary. And there's something about what he found that actually to this day we're almost like unwilling to accept about ourselves. But let's get into that later. Let's first discuss what he did. So he wanted to know, how does memory work? How does that happen? And what he decided to do is he invited people into his study and he had them memorize words. And he was interested in, if they memorize new words, how long does it take for them to lose those words and how many do they lose over time? So the first thing he did was use a lot of words that were very common words for people to remember. And he discovered quite soon that, for example, if he had a farmer learning words and one of the words was cow, the farmer would, of course, always remember the word cow. So he noticed Mm. that certain people were prone to remember certain things better than other people. So he figured out 
that's not the right way to study this. So that's, that made him, especially for his time, very clever. So what he decided to do is he created a list of words that did not exist in any language. So like really weird words. And what he did was he had people memorize those words. Then he would let them come back to his office every other day or every day to see how many of those they remembered. And what he found was quite distressing <laughs> because what he found was when people learn meaningless words, after seven days, they will have lost 90%, 90% of what they have learned. So you're saying that they would have, like, they've, they're only going to keep 10% in their brains? Yes. Wow. Yes. So that's something he found. He was a bit shocked by that because we don't walk around in the world knowing this, right? We don't walk around in the world like going, okay, I've been to a day session of training and probably 90% of it is gone after seven days. Right. Because, and that's the, the funny thing, and we all as L&D people need to deeply realize this really daft way of our memory working because we don't recall what we don't remember. So that means that if I've learned... 10 words, and I've lost nine. I don't remember the nine. I remember the one I remember. So I think I'm doing pretty well. So you're not going to remember the one that you didn't remember. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not <laughs> sure if you're saying, I'm going to remember the one I didn't remember or the one I did remember and didn't recall. Yes, exactly. So. This is the confusion we all need to go through. And this is exactly what it is. When you've had a day session... And after seven days, you try to recall the session. You think you still have everything because everything that's still in your brain is still in there. But you don't see the gap of things that you've forgotten. So you sort of walk through life thinking that you remember everything, but you in fact don't. So that means that we've known since 1885 that we lose a lot of things that we learn, uh, but we don't seem to act on it. And that's a bit confusing for people to realize that. And that means that we need to do certain things in our trainings to cause that memory bit to go up, to make sure that the forgetting curve, because that's what we call it, the forgetting curve of Ebbinghaus doesn't catch up with us and takes away 90%. Because it would be a super wasteful thing to design, buy, create, get learners in, do a one-day session, but when the learners are forced into the one-day session, they don't feel it's very meaningful for them. So after seven days, you can throw away 90% of that course. That will be such a waste of time. Well, if that's the case, then actually, how do you fight or battle this forgetting curve? What, what do we need to be doing? So there's two things you need to do. And one of them is very difficult to do. And one of them is super easy to do. Let me explain. So the first one is you need to repeat what you're doing all the time, but you can't do it in a repetitious way because the brain will fall asleep if something is repetitious and it goes over and over and over. Um, um, Shauna, could you repeat yeah. that? Oh, Ravi. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just wind back the show. <laughs> Sorry. No, no worries. So, yeah, so... So repeating is one of the things you should do a lot, 
but you can't make it repetition. So what we've done for you is we've created a list of how you can repeat in fun, no more boring ways. And we've put that on the website under brainbakery.com at the Brain Snacks. There's a whole article, a whole blog that gives you a list of how to basically become a repetition wizard. And let me just share two of the ones that I like the most. One of them is super easy. It can be done online. It can be done all the time. You can use either Kahoot or Mentimeter, and you can do a quiz at the end. This podcast is sponsored by absolutely no one because sponsor messages are stupid. So you've known, you've given 10 facts. Make sure you ask them 10 questions and then do two things. One, see how much people remember. Uh, And that means that they're actually, because they're quizzed, they're repeating it. And if two people get it incorrectly, you repeat the message again so that everybody gets it again. So do a quiz and also use that quiz as feedback for yourself to really experience that you think you've been really clear And then seven people out of 20 don't know the answer to that question. So it's also very good to realize for yourself at the end of the day, wow, you know, the forgetting curve is something real. If it's not meaning a lot to them and if it's not repeated, they will forget. I think as well, what's really good about using those um, Mentimeter and Kahoot, and, and I think it's quite important, is that when someone does get the question right or wrong, especially when they get it right, that you do repeat the answer. So you reinforce mm. it. Because sometimes with quizzes, we just ask questions, they answer. We ask questions, they answer. But actually, the whole point is to make sure at each point you do repeat it even though I've just repeated yes, that. absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we can't repeat it enough. How that actually works is when you give an answer to a question and you see that your answer is not correct, what happens in your brain is something what we call the cognitive gap. There's a gap now and I experience a gap between what I think I know and what I want to know. So that means at that moment when I've given a wrong answer, the persons who've given the wrong answer are hungry to know the right answer. So what you should never do in any e-learning or in anything is move on to the next question and then maybe give the right answers in the end. Make sure you use that moment of the cognitive gap to immediately enforce, you know, repeat the right answer. So also for the e-learning friends out there, if you ask them a question and they've gotten zero points because they've done it wrong, immediately go, oh, you know what was wrong? It was this because this, this, this. So that you know they remember because the quiz is not about the quiz. The quiz is about the repetition because we want to beat the forgetting curve of Ebbinghaus. Exactly. Second thing. What's the second thing you can do? The second thing is adding meaning. So if we add meaning to any fact, the chances of that fact being memorized are way higher than just plainly giving the fact. So the equation is here, a fact plus emotion equals the memory will retain it. So giving them something that makes them feel happy, sad, joyful. So it really is playing with all the emotions. Yes. And there's certain things you can do. You can, if you have a fact about a company or about a a product that they need to sell or about something that they need to remember, you can do certain things. So you can use storytelling. If you put the fact into a story, chances are way higher of them remembering it than not putting the fact in there. Fun facts about the thing you want to share. If you want them to remember who uh, originally started the company, 
tell them a fun fact about them. They'll go, oh, I now have a relationship with this person instead of just memorizing their name. Because a lot of times that's what we do. We just give details and facts and it's almost like a list. It's almost like a bullet point list of information about the people who started the company, when the company started, etc., etc. Absolutely. And the same thing happens when we have meetings with our teams. We just share all the numbers, but we don't add meaning to the numbers. And if we add meaning to the numbers, they will become something that is alive because our brain What we've learned from the black box is if we put in something that has meaning, memory will keep it. If we put it in something without meaning, it will throw out 90%. You can also give examples and show how it's done. You can use a metaphor, say it's what's happening in our company now is like, and then you give them a metaphor and that will attach meaning to it. Uh, and you can also make it very valuable in the, in the learner's world, right? We didn't start this podcast by saying, okay, let's talk about Hermann Ebbinghaus. He was born in uh, Australia. No, sorry, in Austria. No, in Germany. Uh, let me give you lots of countries. And uh, he had some facts from 1885. That would bore the hell out of you. Nobody would still be here in the podcast because it doesn't mean anything. How we had to start this is by saying, if you know as a teacher or a trainer or an L&D person, if you know a little bit about the memory then it's very powerful. Um, you can actually make more impact. That's how we had to tell it to you. So it became meaningful for you because I think nobody in the world, unless you are a fan of memory, would go, let me listen to a podcast about memory. Right. No one's going to want to. Well, maybe some people may, but how much are you going to remember? Exactly. Yeah. Unless you're super interested in memory itself. Basically, what we're saying is, If you give a meaningless training and you only give one session, you're guaranteed 90% is gone. Now, nobody is thinking about themselves as giving a meaningless training because we all put our heart and soul in it. However, if your learners are obliged to be there, they have to attend that training because they must then it's very likely to them the training doesn't occur as meaningful. Even though we think it's a very meaningful training, it doesn't occur for them as that. Then if you only do one session, 90% out the door. So you need to listen up. You need to know this information and we need to make sure we do something with this information. So whether you're a trainer, teacher, L&D, or you're doing it for yourself, it's really important to understand the forgetting curve and actually to mm. beat the forgetting curve. So whether we are repeating or adding emotions, it is something that should be in the forefront of our minds. Yes. Whenever we make a design, whether it's on e-learning or a real life training, we should know this and take action on it because it can be something that our brain wants to forget <laughs> because the forgetting curve is real that our, our learners remember so little. So make sure you build in a lot of great repetition. There's many examples on the website and also make sure that you add meaning. Thank you for listening and tune in next time when we talk about the inside of the brain. No more boring learning. This was the Brain Bakery podcast. Want to know more? Follow us on our socials.